Welcome to the ministry of Faith Community Church of Indianapolis. We pray this message is a blessing to you. To learn more about Faith Community Church, please visit us at FCCIndianapolis.com. I want to bring the word to you this morning. So I just want to just have a quick word of prayer. Father, I just thank you. God, you are good. I thank you for the anointing, Lord. I love being in this pulpit. I love being in this place at Faith Community Church. It just means so much to me, and I just thank you. And I just pray that the words I share today will touch the hearts of every person that hears them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you got a pen, you might want to pull it out, because I'm going to tell you, I got some God stuff coming at you today. I am super, super excited about this. What I want to talk to you about today is kingdom culture. I've been meditating on this for about eight weeks and um, just thinking about my opportunity to come and share with you. And this is something that the Lord gave me that I want to share with you. Listen to this. This is what God spoke to my heart. He said, the most defining attribute of a culture is not its food, language, or clothing. Rather, it is in how a people thinks. We say it again. The most defining attribute of, of a culture is not its food, language, or clothing, but it's rather in how a people thinks. And as a child of God, being a part of the kingdom of God, we should have a culture, we should have a way of thinking that is different and supersedes where we live. Whether you're an American, a Costa Rican, a Honduran, it doesn't matter. That if you're a part of the kingdom of God, we should be a part of a kingdom culture. Amen? Well, that, that culture takes developing. You know, people say, well, so-and-so moves to America. Well, we want them to assimilate. Okay, I understand that. I get that. But have we fully assimilated into the culture of the kingdom of God? I dare say no. I, it's a process. It's one I'm working on. But we need to pursue a kingdom culture if we're going to experience and do all that we're called and created to do. Why? A culture, if it's defined in how a people thinks, I want you to process this. Our thought life really affects everything we do. It affects how we see other people. It affects how we see the environment that we're in. And most importantly, it affects how we see ourselves, your thought life. Why did, why did Paul say, right, take every thought captive and hold it obedient unto Christ, right? Are you with me? And so our thought life is very, very, very important. There's a principle in, in psychology called the lens principle. Meaning, if I grew up in a certain place in a certain way, I'm going to normally view life through that lens, right? If I grew up in a home of a firefighter, when I look at a, a fire truck going down the road, my brain's going to process all the stories that my firefighter dad told me. Where the average person, like who I really am, I'd be like, oh, fire truck, get over. So our lens is shaped by our environment. And what I want you to think about today, what I want to share with you today, is that when we are part of the kingdom of God, we should have a lens, we should have a culture with which we are approaching life. And it starts with ourselves, how we look at ourselves. Because you know what? We're hardest on ourselves, even before other people. We are hardest on ourselves. So, in order to walk in the culture of the kingdom of God, we must understand how this kingdom operates. I'm going to go to some verses. I'll shout them out if you want to go there with me. Do. If not, you can just listen. But we're going to go to Matthew 6.33, one of the first verses I learned. And it says this. Jesus said, but for, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Jesus said, I want you to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What was he saying there? He was saying, I want you to seek how to be, how to live, how to make decisions in a righteous, a right way. That's how we press into the kingdom of God, that we act, we think, we talk the right way. Sometimes it's hard. He started talking, you said something this morning about, you know, blessing your enemies or or whatever. I'll tell you, it's hard. We have a competing school where we live, and they are atheist. They are godless. They showed a movie a couple Friday nights ago, and I don't remember the name of it because I just don't even care about that stuff. But they showed a movie where the kid in the movie was choosing to be a girl, though he was a boy, and it had sexual scenes in the movie, and they showed it to their entire school. To everybody that came, it was, it was an elective event. It was a Friday night function, a little fundraiser they do once a month. And they showed that trash at the school. Even some of the ungodly parents in that community got a little upset. I was glad. Finally, they got a clue. But that's, that's what we're up against. There is a fight. There is a battle that we're in, and it's for the souls of these kids in this community. Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God. And you know what? He said, you seek first the kingdom of God. You can get born again, you can get saved, and that's good. But if you're going to progress, we have to press in. We have to seek the kingdom of God. It has to be developed in us. Is that right? If you go over to Matthew 13, look at what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 10, and 11. It says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. When I read that a couple weeks ago, the mysteries have been given to us. When a mystery, you got to figure it out, don't you? You watch a movie, you read a book, it's a mystery. you gotta, you got to think about it. you got to process it. you got to take in all the facts and make some decisions on, on what to do next. That's the same with the kingdom of God. There are mysteries of the kingdom of God, and I will tell you, they are progressively revealed to us as we press into the kingdom of God. And things become more real to you as you go. I believe this with all my heart, that the kingdom is revealed progressively. It is not something that's just done. You know, if it was, we'd, we'd all like get saved. We'd come up here and get saved, and boom, then we, our lives would be clean. I love, I love Jesse Duplantis. He says, I want to live a clean life. I love that word clean. It says a lot. That's a big word, a clean life. How I act, how I think, how I talk. Even when people uh, make me mad and my translator helps me, I have to be good. I have to be clean. I have to be clean. So how do we do this? How do we progress in this culture of the kingdom of God? Go to Luke 8.18. This has been kind of like a verse of the year for me. Luke 8.18. Jesus said this. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. And when you read that the first time, that sounds like a mystery to me. That's like, what? What? Right? It's a little hard to understand. Listen to what he says. Take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Let me read it to you in the Amplified. It'll help. Jesus says, so be careful how you listen. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a longing for truth, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. This year, as I've meditated on that verse, I have to ask myself the question. When I, read, when I read a verse of the Bible, do I believe it? 
Do I really believe it? Jesus said, whatever thing you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you'll have it. He didn't say whatever except for this, this, this. He said whatever. Sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my brain around. Every time I read in the scripture, whosoever, or I read all, all means all, right? I mean, it's all. And so when we hear that word all or we read that word all, it means all. But yet we don't do that. We limit it to our lens of, well, I thought one day I had a dream, I had a goal, I was going to do this, but it just didn't come to pass. And so we run the words of Jesus all through our experience, through our lens, and therefore then we start to limit the word of God. That's how I can stand up up here before you and say, I need like $1.3 million or more, more than that probably, to build these schools. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's what we need to do what God's called us to do. Now, I can tell you this. We've learned something in Romans 8, 18, that we love a man nothing but to love him. So we're not going to go borrow money and get a mortgage on a million-dollar property. Not going to do it. God wants it built. He's going to have to write the check. He's going to have to show up and do it because I'm not going to carry that load and that bondage because the borrower is the servant to the lender. Amen? I don't like borrowing money. We were talking with my parents yesterday, and, you know, we look back over the last six years of our lives, and we're very blessed. God has done amazing things for us. We have two cars. They're not new, but they're nice, and they're paid for. We paid cash for them. God is good. He made way supernatural things happen. You guys, supernatural things happen. Let me give you, huh? I got to go faster. Um, I just got to give you a testimony, though, of how, of how he works. I mean, in order for us to get our residency down there, we had to have $60,000 U.S. cash, Okay. What do we have to do with that? Because you have to put it into the bank. You have to show the Costa Rican government that you have $2,500 a month coming in. Now, retirees may use their Social Security or a pension or a 401K. We don't have those things. And so we're like, okay, Lord, how are we going to do this? And so long story short, we ended up buying 24 CDs at the bank for $2,500 each. So we could show the government we had a CD maturing every month right, for $2,500 plus interest, which interest down there is about 10, 10 to 11%. So it's pretty good, pretty good. But well, I didn't have 60 grand to do it. But a friend of ours said, hey, I want to help you. I want to bless you. So he put the money in my account, and then I went and bought the CDs, and every month when the CD matures, I just moved all the money back over to him. But that's the favor of God. God made a way where there was no way for me to do that. But he made a way. In fact, it's only we do it for the first two years. Then your second time you go for your residency, you have to do another two years, another 60 grand. He said, I'll do it again. Go ahead. Didn't sign a contract, just shook hands and said, I want to bless you. <clears throat> I didn't know how I got off on that. Take heed how you hear. Jesus was saying in this, be careful how you listen. So when you read the word of God, you need to take it at face value. I need to take it at face value if we're going to walk in a kingdom culture. If we're going to walk the way he intends us to walk and live the abundant life that he's called us to live, I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when you are doing what God has called you to do, that he will make a way. And he said, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. It doesn't matter what your latitude or your longitude, that applies. Because I can tell you, I never had as nice as cars as I have in Costa Rica when I lived in the United States. And I always had a payment. But God's made a way, and they're paid for. That's worth shouting, people. That's exciting. I mean, we're learning things, and we're developing, and we're growing. And I praise God my family's healthy. 
and we're strong, and we're, we're pressing in, we're seeking the things of God. Abby's my, she's the little minister to the druggies. It's true. The other day, she was in the back seat. She was telling this boy, she's like, you're, you're stupid. Why are you smoking pot? You're going to get lung cancer. You're killing your brain cells. What are you doing? She, she just gives it to him. I love that. We've dealt with that for 14 years, that strong personality. But she's using it for good, and she's just dishing it out to people. If you know her, you know what I mean. Anyway, it's awesome. Okay, so as we're reading the Word of God, we're taking it at face value. What's going to happen? It's going to change our thought life. Because our thought life needs to be kingdom-minded. We throw that word around a lot, kingdom. Well, a kingdom has a king. does not have an elective leader. We've had three uh, student teachers come from the United Kingdom, and they'll talk about what it's like to live with a king and a queen and all those things. We've learned some things. And as I was meditating on this, you know, in the, in the kingdom, there's a king. And what the king says is what you do or you lose your head, right? Praise God, God's great, more gracious than that, right? In the old days, I mean, you did what the king said. But we have, a, we have a problem with this as Americans because we've not grown up in a, in a, in a culture as a nation that lives in a kingdom. And even today's kingdoms aren't like they used to be back in the day because it talks about authority. And what is it? We say, oh, Jesus, be my Lord. That means be the boss. Be the boss. Tell me what to do. Even when I don't feel like doing it, tell me what to do. You know, as I meditated on what it means for someone to be a king, <laughs> you're going to love this. I love it. How do you get to be king? It's the bloodline. Royalty. I'll tell you what, we've got a king that he earned the throne because of the blood that he shed for us. Whew. Because of the blood, he's king. Ooh. That's a whole message right there in itself. It's so good. All right, I got another one for you that God spoke to me. He said, revealed mysteries result in a greater flow of wisdom and knowledge. Revealed mysteries result in a greater flow of wisdom and knowledge. And this, in turn, results in greater victorious living. Revealed mysteries result in a greater flow of wisdom and knowledge, and this in turn results in greater victorious living. How many guys in here are relatively handy besides Shelby? We all know that he's handy. You're a handyman. Shelby, you'll get a kick out of this. <clears throat> so I, uh, I built a house with a friend of mine. He invested a big chunk of money. I put a little bit of money in it, and we, we sold it and, and you know flipped it, and, and that's how we bought one of our cars, praise God. He was so good to us. And I bought this filter for the house to put it on the house, um, and, and then we just never got around to doing it. It's, it's like a hundred dollar filter and it's, it's a sediment filter. Why is that important? Well, where, where we live in January, February, March, it doesn't rain. It's just dry. Everything stays really pretty green because we have so much rain the rest of the year, but the dust, oh, you can choke on it. I mean, it just gets so dusty because we only have a couple of paved roads in town. So all the roads are dirt roads, right? Well, when it starts to rain in April, May, all that dust gets washed with the springs and into the water, and Bridget has literally opened up the washing machine, and the water's red from the clay that's in the water. So I had this sediment filter, and I said, well, I'm going to put it on the house that we're renting. So I called the landlord lady, and I said, hey, Marcella, I've got this filter. I'll, I'll donate it to the house. You can just keep it with the house if you'll hire somebody to go put it on, because I don't have time to mess with that. I could do it. I know how to do that, but I just didn't want to mess with it. And she said, yeah, we'll do it. I said, okay, great. So the guy comes, you're going to love this, and so he, he busts up the concrete where the water lines come into the house, and he runs the two water lines up 
up the side of the house and attaches the filter. Okay, that's good, except they're like this. You know, they're not parallel or anything. There's blue PVC glue running everywhere. And the concrete that he broke up, he put new concrete in it, Pastor, but he didn't put a form on the edge of it. I mean, I'm not that handy, but, I mean, you know, I know that much. And so when it dried, it just kind of oozed into the yard. So there's, this, like, this dried concrete ooze into the yard. I was just like, whatever. The water's on that. The filter's on the house. It's going to keep the dirt out of the laundry. Bridget will be happy. Pura vida. Great. So... He puts it on, and we notice in the house that the water flow in the house isn't as strong as it used to be, and it did kind of taste like plastic. And we thought, well, it's the PVC glue, it's a new pipe, you know, what have you. There's, 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 you know, it, it'll be fine. So a couple weeks go by, and I said, Isaac, let's go out there and go check that filter. Let's see, let's see how much dirt we've caught. And this was one of those moments, um, you know, when I need to grow. <clears throat> because as I go out there and we take the filter off the house, I pull the filter out of the canister, and it still has the plastic wrapper around it, even with the piece of paper. Look, <laughs> And so I go, you are a moron. I was so mad. I yelled at this guy who wasn't even there that he was a moron. And then later I had to go to my neighbor because Isaac was with me, and the neighbor was really close. I said, by the way, I was just having a moment. I wasn't yelling at my kid, just so you know. And I told him what happened, and my neighbor goes, what a moron. Anyway. So, but there's a, there's a point to this. There's a point to this. We're talking about revealed mysteries and a greater flow of wisdom and knowledge. So what was happening, because the man installed the filter and never took the wrapper off of it, the pressure had punched a hole in the filter, just a little bit, where water was flowing into the, the filter and getting into the house. But when we took the wrapper off and the piece of paper underneath the wrapper that says remove the wrapper, take that off. And you put it back in the house, and you turn the water on, boom, there's an abundance of water flowing. It's the same thing with revealed mysteries of the kingdom of God. I believe too many of us are living a life that is restricted. We're restricted to the flow of God in our lives because we don't have a full knowledge of his word. And the knowledge that we do have, sometimes we don't choose to do it. We can blame the devil all day long, but usually it's me. It's my flesh that does it. And I got to get in line. I got to get it going. Choose life and death. Just make the choice. But I'll never forget that as long as I live. If I want an abundant flow, take the wrapper off. How do you do that? You read the word and you do what Jesus said. In the King James, he said, take heed or be careful how you listen. When you read the word, take it at face value and just go for it. Just go for it. I got to watch my time. In, in we're not going to go there, but in Matthew 19, you guys know the story when Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Why did he want the children to come? He said, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. Why? You tell a kid, hey, this weekend we're going to do X, Y, Z. On Saturday morning, they get up fully expecting that we're going to do X, Y, Z. Right? So if we're going to be a child and have childlike faith, rather, we need to believe God at his word. And when he says it, just believe him for it. Because the kingdom of God belongs to the children. <laughs> now, we're not supposed to act like children, but we're supposed to have faith like children. Kids believe what you tell them. They expect it. And you know what else they do? They talk about it. If you tell your kids that we're going to go to Disney World, they're going to start talking about it. They're going to start talking to their friends about it. They're going to make plans. They're going to buy Mickey Mouse ears or whatever it is the things that kids do, right? Getting ready to go to Disney World. They talk about it. And this is another thing that the Lord showed me and has been speaking to Bridget and I both tremendously over this last year is that what you believe in the words you speak cannot be separated. What we believe, what we really truly believe, 
and our words cannot be separated. Why? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So if you want to know what you really believe, listen to how you talk. You think you believe certain things, but then when you start listening to your words, you go, shoot, I don't believe it. Because if I believed it, I wouldn't talk it. Do I really believe that he meets all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Well, if I believe that, then I can't be going, oh, how are we ever going to pay for a million-dollar school? Now, wait a minute. Do I believe that he meets all the needs? It's a need. We need this school. We got this temporary approval. It expires next December. Not this, this coming December, but the next one. We'll lose it. We have to have a building that meets the requirements by next December. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Thanks, God. We'll do this together. Our words have great power. Think about this. I know people have criticized certain people, blab it and grab it, whatever. I, I don't care. Your words have power. How did God form the universe? He spoke it, let it be. How are you saved? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, right? You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, that's how you're born again. You get saved because of the words of your mouth. Is that right? I mean, it's in there. I read it. It's in Romans 10, 9 and 10. You know, Jesus actually said over in Matthew 15, he said what, what comes out of him, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. It's what comes out that messes up your life. It's what comes out that messes up the plan of God, the destiny of God. It messes up your friendships, your relationships. It's what comes out. But the trick is you can't just shut your mouth because we can't do it. We can't do it. He talked about that in James, right? That it's like, it's like a little spark and it sets the whole forest on fire. But he also said it's like the rudder of a ship and it steers and directs you whichever way you're going to go. So what do we got to do? We got to get our heart fixed. In Proverbs, he said, you know, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. You got issues in your life? Check your heart because your heart might be the problem. I've got to go back to what we're speaking, what we say. In Mark eleven twenty two. 23 and 24, some of my favorite portions of Scripture, and you guys know it. Listen to what Jesus said. It says, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Oh, good, it's on the board. Do you see the word says? It's up there three times. Says, says, says. Believe is only up there once. What we say is so important. Yes, it's Brother Hagen. But what we say is so very, very important. Because if we're saying the right thing, verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. If you are saying the right thing and you're talking the right thing, guess what? You will get the right thing. We were down there for three or four years. We only had one car. We had one car. We needed two. When you got two teenagers and they're running the lessons and doing all these different things, you need two cars. And I got a picture of a Kia Bongo. I should put it up on the screen someday so you can see what a Kia Bongo looks like. That's okay, Isaac. But a Kia Bongo is the ugliest little truck you've ever seen in your life. It's absolutely just weird looking, but they sell them down there by the hundreds because they're so, they're so functional. And so for a guy, function is important. 
And so, like, the, the beds of the truck, the beds, the side of the bed, they actually fold down, Shelby. So when you got to load something, you can do it right to the bulkhead. Boom, right there. I've done it. It's awesome. It is the greatest little truck, and it's super fuel efficient. I wanted one of these trucks. It just made sense. With the schools, I'm always moving chairs and desks, and we're moving stuff. You buy toilet paper in, you know, Price Mart, boom, 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 you know, like big, big things of toilet paper. So I got a picture of this truck, and I put it on my mirror, and I begin to speak. I will have that truck. I remember to this day driving up this big, long hill that we always have to go up when we go up and down the highway. And I said, I see myself driving that truck. I see it. We put fuel in the truck. I'm not putting gas. I'm putting diesel in, in my mind, because I'm putting diesel in that truck. And you know what? That truck manifested. I have that truck today. I've been driving it for three years. Praise God. Bought it brand new with a warranty, bumper to bumper to bumper. Let me tell you, when you're down there on these roads that just beat you silly, you love having a warranty. Notice on the cover of the, the bulletin, manifest the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Like that. The world understands the word manifest. I'm around all these new age hippies all the time, and they're going to send love and good energy to manifest X, Y, Z, whatever it is. They, but you know what? It's a law. It's a principle of what you say, what you believe. It comes to pass. It comes to pass. That's why when I'm talking with them, I can't talk about necessarily the blessings of God because they're operating under a blessing, if you will, in a, in a financial sense. But I start talking about sin. You talk about marriages on the rocks. You talk about all these different things. That's when we get hitting home because those are the things that matter. But they understand how to manifest something. It's a crazy thing that the church world doesn't get that yet. But We've got to get it. And it's with our lips. It's with our mouth. Proverbs 18, 21, <clears throat> it says this, that the power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who indulge in it will eat its fruit. The power of life and death is in the tongue. You ever hear somebody say, I get a cold every winter. Guess what? They probably get a cold every winter. Right? <sighs> Nothing ever goes right for me. Probably won't. You believe it. You're saying it. You're going to have it. You're going to eat those words, right? We know, the, we know those things. In Proverbs 12, 14, it says that you'll be satisfied with the good but the fruit of your mouth. What you say is what you'll have. So if what you want isn't what you have, change what you say to be what you want. Therefore, you will have it. I encourage you to get a dream board. I got a dream board. See this? This is mine. I keep it in my Bible. The top is the little house that we want to build. Bless God, we already own the ground. Miss Gina, we bought the property. We have the ground. Paid for. I got an architect working on a design right now. I like sailing. I'm going to have a sailboat. I don't care if you like that or you don't. You think, oh, a missionary should have a sailboat. I love you, but I don't care. I want a sailboat because me and Isaac want to go sailing. And you know what else? I want one of those little dune buggy side-by-sides because where we live, that is an awesome mode of transportation. Many people have those down there. Because the roads are just crazy rough, and they go through the creeks and up the rivers. I mean, the other day, I picked up Abby from the skating party. Okay, they're called patines, right? Went to the skating party at the local salon, and when we left, we had to take Sam home, drop this little boy off, and all the kids are piled in the back of the truck, and we drove through the river, and it was raining, and the river, it came up a little bit. It was about halfway up the door, and I thought, why is this normal? This is normal to us now, and it shouldn't be normal. This is not normal. The kids are... Nobody's phased that we're driving through the river. It wasn't some big new experience. It's what people do every day. You just, you just adapt. You just adapt. But put your dream. What's my point? Put your dream. You, are you believing for something? 
I want a home where my kids can have their teenage friends over, and it's the fun place to be, and we got a pool and a barbecue and maybe a pizza oven, and we'll make pizzas and do fun things so that they, their friends can come over to our house because we don't smoke pot at my house, just so you know. We don't do that at my house, right? I want them to be in my environment where I can impact them. Abby literally has a friend that a couple weeks ago she said, she came to us, and she came to Bridget, actually, and said, can I get a Bible? I need a Bible. I need to give it to a friend. She's like, sure, of course. Who? I can't tell you. Undercover. Okay. But, so, but she's got friends that don't even go to our school, that go to this other school, that she's impacting as she's going out and about, and they're being drawn to the Lord. And she's gave this girl a Bible. It's not uncommon for her to go, can I have Sophie and Haley stay the night? Okay, we live in a little house. It is not a big house. We're like, yeah, bring them. Y'all three are going to pile into that little bed, but go for it. And so we do it. But I'm believing God. I want something bigger and better for my family. Amen? Thank you for believing with me. Mm-hmm. All right. I figure if I can believe for a million-dollar school, I can believe for a couple hundred-thousand-dollar house. Right? Thank you, Gina. All right. So I'm going to be satisfied with the grit of my mouth. We've got to speak the word of God over our lives. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And so why? Thank you. Why? Why do we got we to Why do sometimes we have trouble speaking the word or believing God at his word? I'm going to give you this verse, and I'll, I'll wrap it up. But Psalm 89, 34. This, this is one you should, you should write it on the mirror in your bathroom because it will give you encouragement when you're sometimes you're like, okay, I'm believing for this, but I don't see it happening. Listen to what God says. He says, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone forth from my lips. Whew, that's God talking. He won't break his covenant, and he will not alter his word that's gone forth from his lips. You see, we live in a day and age when people don't keep their word. We do. And it's hard because you want to believe people at their word, but they, they change their mind. They back down. They, they forget the promise they made or whatever the thing might be. So what happens is that starts to shape our lens. And then we start to look at God the same way. Well, I know, you know, you know, but, you know, this could happen or that could happen. No. We have to take heed how we, how do we measure the word when it's spoken to us? Let's take it at full face value, amen? Because he doesn't break his covenant or alter the words that come forth from his lips. If you're jotting down notes, Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2, says this, <clears throat> in essence, that God values his word even above his name. Woo! He values, he holds in high esteem his word Above his name. Psalm 138, 1 and 2. Why is this important? Because when God says something, he means it. And he sticks to it. So if he says to you, oh, you have little faith, right? Believe me. Believe me. We can believe him. And furthermore, do you know what happens when you speak the word of God? Woo! Thank you. There it is. At that last part, you have magnified your word above all your name. His word is important. And you guys don't have to go there on the screen. But in Psalm 103.20, it actually says in Psalm 103.20 that angels hearken unto the spoken word of God. So you've got an angel. Jesus told us. We all have an angel that's assigned to us, right? You want your angel to go to work for you? Start speaking the word of God because they hearken unto the spoken word of God. So when somebody says, oh, I always get sick every winter, the angels stand there like, shut up, dummy. It's like my, my translator, shut up. Shut up. But if you say, no, I'll go ahead and just run on Psalm 103 that Pastor shared this morning, that he heals all my diseases, right? That's what I'm going to say. Guess what? You'll find out that you don't get sick near as much because you're speaking forth the word of God. 
I believe with all my heart that those who thrive in this life, that they walk in the culture of the kingdom of God here on earth. They walk in the culture of the kingdom of God. So that's what I want to leave you with today is think about the culture of the kingdom. Are you more like the culture of an American? Are you more like a Costa Rican? No, let's be like Jesus. Let's have a kingdom culture because then I pray for my enemies. I bless those who curse me, right? I give to the poor. I do those things that that I need to do because I want to be a part of that culture. That's the culture I want to be a part of. Dean, you touched my heart this morning. You said, Jesus, come back. I'm with you. I mean, I, I can check out. I mean, I have goals and dreams, but that's far better. Because sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's rough, and sometimes people are ugly, and they're hard to deal with. But, you know, it's such a simple thing. I don't know why we do this. At least Bridget and I do it when we laugh at each other. But we expect ungodly people to act godly. We do it all the time. Why are they being so nasty? Well, duh, they're a child of the devil. I mean, it's like they're, they're, they're a mess. They don't have the peace of God ruling and reigning in their hearts. The bigger question is, why was I being nasty? <laughs> because I don't have an excuse. Me, 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 me. Because I, I wanna I wanna I wanna press into the kingdom culture. So as you think about these verses, you think about these things, you pray for us, speak life to our vision, will you? For new new land and buildings and, and a personal home. That's a big one on our list for our own home. And so those are the things that we are speaking life to. And I tell you, you're going to be blown away the next time I get back here, if it's a year from now or whenever it is. And I'm going to say, look at what the Lord has done, because I believe that he's doing it. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has blessed you, we invite you to visit us in person at the corner of Highway 31 South and Southport Road, Indianapolis, Indiana. Or visit us online at FCCIndianapolis.com.